This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. And, and I would essentially just be, you know, I don't really have, we'll just see where we get to today. I don't really have a, a super rigid structure, but we'll see where we get to, then we'll probably continue some other time. But uh, we're talking about Thanksgiving, which is a very important topic. And today, you would notice that we'll be talking a lot about Paul. And there is a reason for it. Paul was a man who was, in many ways, like an expert in, in Thanksgiving, in the subject of Thanksgiving. He was always abounding in Thanksgiving. In fact, he often began many of his letters, you know, which are the epistles, by giving thanks to God for the church, which to whom he was writing. You know, he would give thanks. He was always effusive with thanks. Praise God. For example, in his letter to the Corinthian church, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in the beginning of, around the beginning of the letter, he said, I thank my God always on your behalf. Now, remember, he's writing to a church, but he's saying, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which was given, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Praise God. So he's thanking God on behalf of the church. That was Paul. That's how he was. You know, that's, that was his mindset. How about his letter to the Colossians? Something similar. He says, we give thanks to God and to the Father of our Lord Jesus, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in, the, in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. So he's saying, we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. We heard that you are growing, you are, you are giving, you are, you, are, you are abounding in the work of God. And I just it just makes my heart full of gratitude, you know, and he wrote that in his letter to them. You know, to the Thessalonians, he wrote something similar. He says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, giving thanks to God on behalf of these people. To his protege, Timothy, he says, I thank God. You know, that's in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers and with pure conscience, that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. You know, that was his mindset. How about to another of his associates, Philemon? He says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. We get the point. You know, always like that, always like that. Always grateful for this thing or that thing. Always grateful for what God is doing in the lives of other people, in the lives, in the churches. That was his mindset. You know, that was his mindset. How many of us can boast of the same? How many of us are... You know, when we hear of the goodness of God in people's lives, we are filled with so much gratitude that, you know, it just wells up in us. We pray, we are, we are thankful to God. That we can even write it to them on an email or in a text message. You know, so you could write a text message like, or an email like, I, Dear Damala, I thank my God, making mention of you, you know, my prayer, something like that. How many of us can write, Dear Jane, or Dear, you know, Palumi, or Dear, you know, you know, I give thanks to God, making mention of you in my prayers when I hear of your growth. When I hear of your the goodness of God in your marriage, or when I hear of the goodness of God in your business, you know, just being thankful for people. You know, it's a great habit. It's exemplary. Praise the Lord. You know, and there's something supernatural about such a mindset. You know, um, miracles happen, you know, when people um, have such mindsets. Praise the Lord. What mindset? The mindset of thanksgiving. All right. So with Paul... It was automatic, you know, as it should be with us. You know, it is said that in the New Testament, Paul 
wrote about giving of thanks more than 46 times, different times, rejoicing, giving thanks. He was always just writing about them. You know, many of us think Paul was a very stern man, very hard. Yes, doctrinally, yes, he was, but he was a love being. He was always bubbly with joy, always overflowing with thankfulness. Praise the Lord. You know, if you remember the story of the um, him and Silas in the prison, they were singing. You know, the rest of the prisoners must have been wondering, what's wrong with this man? But that was his mindset, always overflowing with thankfulness. You know, we can say joy and thankfulness were his breastplate. What a life, what a testimony, praise the Lord. Is it because Paul was always having good things happen to him, that's why he was always so thankful? No. Is it because he never had challenges? Of course he had challenges. In fact, in half of those letters I wrote above, he was writing from prison. He was going through the worst personal circumstances. I will see this in future, but let's just stop there. But he remained thankful. You know, one time he said in Philippians chapter 4, that should be from verse 11. It says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am, there was to be content. I know how to be abased. What does that mean? I know how to be brought down. And I know how to abound. I know how to, you know, also be elevated. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's what it means by I can do all things. I can, if I'm, I don't have money at this moment, I'm still good. If I'm also rich, I'm still joyful, still thankful. I can do all things. I can, I can function in any, any of the scenarios. Praise the Lord. In whatever situation, I was always found joyful, always found thankful. Praise the Lord. You know, he said in First Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 16, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You know, this is not just a wish. He says this is this is what God wills. He says, pray continually, give thanks in, is it in some circumstances? No. Is it when good things happen? No. I mean, it's easy to do that, but it says in all circumstances both the good ones and the bad ones. So that was his disposition. Praise the Lord. So Paul was an expert in thanksgiving. Now let's look at someone else, Jesus Christ. He also had a lifestyle of thanksgiving, as we'll soon see. A lifestyle of extreme gratitude. Amen. You know, even though he was verily God, he always gave thanks to the Father. You know, if we look at Luke 11, chapter 42, um, from the, chapter 11 from verse 42 for example this was a story of when he raised lazarus from his from the dead and if you, re, you remember the story that's that death really moved him the bible says he even cried you know and before he says i he gave thanks to, to god he, that his prayers will be answered he says i thank god that you always hear you know remember that jesus is god actually he's god who became a man but he's saying i thank god that he always hear me. He always give thanks. In all things, he gave thanks. Praise the Lord. Even for the usual, seemingly mundane things, he gave thanks. Before feeding people, he thanked God first. In fact, every time food was involved, he always gave thanks. You know, I was reading that, in fact, half of Jesus' public prayers in the four Gospels were prayers, prayers of thanksgiving for food. Like, that's, that's just interesting, right? Like, most of it, half of the artists recorded, right, were thanksgiving for food. But we know that he gave thanks just for almost everything. You may be thinking, why is God, why is he thanking God so much for food? But there's a lesson here. 
You know, because some of us think that food is too small of a thing to thank God for. You know, subconsciously we think, um, you know, after all, I worked for this money and then I went to the market, I cooked the food. Why should I be extra thankful for it? You know, I, 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 I made this happen. You know, but this Jesus who was thanking God so much was actually God. You know, if Jesus was thinking like that, he would never have thanked God because he himself is the creator of all things. In John chapter 1 verse 3, it says, all things were made by him and without anything, without him was not anything made that was made. You know, so why was Jesus so, so full of gratitude, even for things like food? You know, he's saying, by constantly giving thanks, he's recognizing the Lord as his great provider. Praise the Lord. He's saying, Lord, I acknowledge you as a source of my sustenance. He's seen the unseen hand of God in all his affairs. Praise the Lord. He's saying, God, I see your input. I recognize that every good and perfect gift is from you. It's from above. Praise God. He's saying God is the source. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 50 verse 10, it says, For every beast of the field is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills is his. So God is the source of all things. He says, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. He's the creator of all. You know, Psalm 147 verse 8, it says, God covers the heavens with clouds. Who provides rain for the earth? Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? So God is the source. He's one that provides rain for the earth that makes the crops able to grow. So indirectly, he's always the source. So what this shows me is that irrespective of the present circumstances, there's always something to be thankful of because God, you know, everything traces back to God. If you can't think of anything, you've not looked well enough. Praise God. You know, everything you have, everything you think you've done, you've achieved by studying, by doing this or that, God is the ultimate source. That's why Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, if you can open the first Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 7. It says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You know, just as I was saying before, God is the source. Praise the Lord. You know, some of us are very heavy, very too heavy, too carnal, that we don't see the goodness of God in our lives, everyday lives. You know, we're constantly complaining, constantly striving, constantly looking at what we don't have yet, constantly worrying about the future, thus depriving ourselves of the opportunity to thank God for what he has already done. So we forget what he has already done. We forget when we prayed and fasted for the things we now have. Praise God. Even 10 years ago, like if you could imagine, you know, what it may not even be material things, just in any ramification, we forget because we are now looking for the next thing. Never an opportunity to be thankful. Now you've gotten those things, you're not thankful. Before striving for the next thing, why not acknowledge and thank God for the one he has done already? Praise the Lord. You know, David was a great king, but he always remembered his source. You know, in Psalm 103, verse from verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not his benefits. He says, who forgives all our iniquities? Now he begins to list all those things that he doesn't want to forget. He says, who forgives all our iniquities? 
who heals all thy diseases, thine diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowned thee with loving kindness and tenderness, who satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So he says, bless the Lord. Always bless the Lord. Do not forget his benefits. You know, and then he went to list the benefits. Praise the Lord. So a heart that remembers God's goodness is a heart that gives God thanks to God easily. Oh Lord, you forgive my iniquities. I thank you. You healed my diseases. You saved me from destruction. You redeemed my life from destruction. For this, I thank you. That should be our habit. Day in, day out. You know, at our waking moments, as we go to bed, in the middle of the day, we just say thank you. You hear a, a news from somewhere, you just say thank you automatically. You know, that's how we should leave. He's saying, do not forget. Oh, I know you are worried about the next one, about this and that, your rent, your job, your this and that. But do not forget the one he has already done. You know, do not forget. You'll be surprised how quickly people forget. Let's look at the story quickly in Luke 17. This story is usually very relevant for this topic of Thanksgiving. Um, from verse 11, it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, this was Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, notice just one, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at his feet, at Jesus' feet now, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But we had the nine. Praise God. The Bible says, and Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But we had the nine. You know, this is a very eye-opening story. It shows how human beings are. It says, we're there not ten. We are the nine. We are the rest of the nine. You know, people say that there are two times when Jesus was amazed in the Bible. One of those times is the story of the centurion. The Bible says he was amazed at the centurion's face. And then another um, time is when he went to his hometown and they had lack of faith. And he was saying, um, a prophet is not without, how does he even say it? Honor in his own um, village, something like that. To me, I think this is probably the third time Jesus was amazed. Because you can hear it in the stone. You say, ah, were there not ten? Where, where are the nine? Like, you just could not understand it. Where are the nine? It's a great mystery. Now, before we move further, it's important that we understand what leprosy was like in those days. Because if you read from the Torah and, you know, the old um, Hebrew writings, leprosy was like the worst thing apart from a dead body, was the worst, almost the second worst defilement that you could have. It was a stain. It was a severe affliction. You know, it disfigured their faces, their bodies. You know, I've seen a few leprous patients in the course of my clinical work. And even today with the advanced medicine, like the strong drugs that we're able to use to treat it, you can still see that these guys look a bit, a bit, a bit strange, a bit funny. They have like this facial stuff they call that's i don't i don't really want to go into all of that but they just look a bit different because the disease is very destructive how much more in the bible times when 
they didn't even have drugs. So it was very incurable, very contagious, you know, such that they were, they, they were required to stand, not stand closer to people, more than six feet closer to people. You must stand far away. If I heard something funny, I said, I heard that if you're, if they're within 150 feet and wind is blowing, they must not be there because the wind can blow whatever it is that they have towards people. So they had to move away. They were not allowed to come around people. You know, they congregated outside of the community walls. You know, even if in this story, as we read it, like as I was reading earlier, it says, it says, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They had to stay afar off. They were used to that. They were encouraged. Praise the Lord. You know, so they stood afar off. They have to do that. It was the worst ailment that could befall a man. Made them outcasts, made them hopeless. You know, since it was incurable. In fact, you know, Bible scholars use leprosy as a symbol of sin because it's, it's raging in its destructiveness. So that was their state. You know, we don't know how long they had been like that, but it probably was years, you know. But, so it was not a small thing that Jesus did in healing them. That's why Jesus was surprised. He had to ask, were there not ten healed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? All but one came back to give thanks. Years of affliction and they had forgotten so quickly. Praise the Lord. You know, I suspect that what happened is that as they were going, they got healed. And they started thinking of the next thing. Oh, now I guess I need a job. Oh, ah, you know, I guess I need new outfits. Or I need a haircut. Now I'm healed. I, I guess, I, you know, maybe now I can get married. You know, stuff like that. It didn't even occur to them to go back to thank God. To Jesus Christ who had just delivered them. Praise the Lord. They had forgotten all his benefits so quickly. And that's how people are. Many people are like that. Most people, in fact. You know, so you'll be surprised that, oh, it may seem like a very easy topic. Oh, thanksgiving. But a life of gratitude actually does not come easy to most of us. It does not come naturally to us. Because we always forget. You know, we live in a complex world. You know, many things happening, many things are available to keep us occupied, to keep us down. Things happening to keep us envious, bitter, thankless. But cultivating a sense of gratitude is the cure. Praise the Lord. You know, through the hustle and the bustle of life, as we race to meet this goal, this deadline, oh, you must get your PhD by this time, oh, you must do this and that by this time. You know, gratitude is like air breaks. It helps us to pause and live in the present. Praise the Lord which is very important. It helps us to pause and to savour the goodness of God in our lives. It helps us to defy Satan's lies. Amen? It reminds us that the goodness of God, that goodness is in God actually and not in anyone else. It's not in the thing you're pursuing. It's not in the thing you're racing towards. The goodness is in God. It just makes us to stay in the present. You know, the Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above. Thanksgiving will make you see that. Praise the Lord. Bible says in Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Praise God. So gratitude gives us focus. You know, if the, if the, for example, if those nine lepers that I spoke about earlier, if they would have been wise, they would have known to go back to the source of their healing. You know, you know, if Jesus, you're just, Jesus is walking, you beg him, and he heals you of such an incurable disease. How many of you know that he can do much more? You know, if you can only realign yourself to some, someone like this, you know, do you know how much more you can even benefit? 
but they didn't. They were thinking very um, temporarily. Praise the Lord. You know, in fact, though we did not read this, the, the one leper that returns to Jesus, if you read in verse 19, I didn't read this earlier. The Bible says he actually got something more than the other nine. Because if you read from the NLT, verse 19, it says, And Jesus said to the man, after he had come to give thanks, he said, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, if you look at this in the Greek, it's, it's a word that means your faith has made you whole. In fact, some other translations have it as your faith has saved you. So, although the others got healed on the exterior, their body became better, only this one became whole. Only this one had spiritual renewal. Why? Because he came back to thank God. All right? So, I'm not, I'm not going to go very deep into this topic, but for the rest of the month, you know, as we explore this topic, I would like to enjoin us to be present fully and ready to participate, ready to practice it. Praise God. Like any other spiritual discipline, thanksgiving, as I said, it doesn't come naturally to most of us. It requires time, efforts. It requires practice. It needs to be cultivated so that at some point we are just, we are just automatic. We are just always like that. It's always abounding in thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. As we saw with the lepers, it doesn't come naturally to us. Oh, would you always feel like giving thanks? No. Especially if you've not cultivated that lifestyle. But you must cultivate it. You know, some of us will find ourselves in difficult circumstances suddenly. You know, things will happen that seem very unfair. You look around, you see people seemingly fine. At those points, you want to, you may find yourself, you know, being bitter. You know, you're comparing yourself with other people. But don't do that. That is a thief of thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter um, verse 10, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, if you go to from verse 12, the second part, the B part, it says, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. You know, so he's saying it's no wisdom to compare yourself. Just give thanks instead. God has not forgotten you. You are not an orphan. Give thanks instead. Praise the Lord. It says they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. Oh, that would be wise. That we know that we are children of God in verity. Praise the Lord. You know, when those things happen, you can just say, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. You know, there's a delay in the flight that, you know, would there's for a business proposal that, you know, is, everything is hinged upon and you can't make the flight because the the airplane is just messing up. You're agitated, but just at that moment, just pause and thank the Father. Thank Him. Because where you're going is still far. I remember His benefits. You know, you can say, I thank you because you've promised to never leave or forsake me. There you are, you are recalibrating. It's, 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 it's an activity of faith. Praise the Lord. Always thankful for this thing or the other. There's always something to be thankful for. Praise the Lord. You know, you don't have to wait for conditions to improve before, start to, before to, you start to live a life of thanksgiving. In fact, I've noticed that it's better when conditions are bad because that's when it's supernatural. That's when it begins with faith. Oh, you heard this bad news, but the first response, whoa, I thank you, Lord. Wow, that's how we should be. Praise the Lord. I thank you, Lord. You just notice that you are filled with the Spirit. You have boldness. You have courage. You can tackle whatever it is. Why? Because you are focusing on the right thing. Oh, people are complaining left, right, and center. Oh, the economy, the embezzled, this and that. 
but just just respond with thanksgiving is it not hitting your pocket yeah it's hitting your pocket like everything is like you know tough but choose to to um, respond in text thanksgiving choose to see the bigger picture praise the lord you know choose to see the lord's provision and remember where he's brought you from you know thus far someone says something that i and i agree with you know he says i don't remember who actually he says whatever you focus on magnifies what you look at what you fixate on magnifies and when something magnifies every other thing becomes smaller in, in relation to it you know that's why paul was able to be so thankful as he was the man had a very rough life you know many people would think oh it was so joyful so thankful so rejoice uh, again i say rejoice also, you think ah he must have had a very nice life no he was he had a very terrible life a thousand times worse than any of us combined have even experienced but he was able to retain his focus focus you know he was he was he had he had a very nasty experience and he wasn't a very old man you know if you read um where is it second corinthians 11 for example from verse 23 i don't want to read the whole thing but i'll just see highlight some of the things that paul suffered he says are the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I, I am more. He says, in labors more abundant, in stripes that's beaten with whips. He says, above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. That's thirty-nine stripes five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. In night and day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in the per- perils of robbers, in the perils of my own countrymen, in the perils of the Gentiles, in the perils of the city, in the perils of the wilderness, in the perils of the sea, <laughs> in the perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. It was telling, talking about all the things he has suffered. He suffered a lot. You know, at some point, if you read First um, Timothy, I think from verse one, um, chapter one, from verse fifteen, I believe, it says he was abandoned for, by his friends when he was in prison. You know, in another in another passage in Second Corinthians chapter one. He described what he went through. He says he went through so much. The KJV version says. That he despaired even of life. It doesn't mean he was in despair because I mean the best way to look at it is in let's see in the NLT version. He says, let me read it from Second Corinthians chapter one from verse eight. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. So he's trying to inform them. He says, We think you ought to know. He says, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. You know, that's how much he suffered. You know, several passages in the Bible detailing his sufferings. Yet, he was always obsessed with thanksgiving. He was always talking about thanksgiving and rejoicing. Always writing about it. 16 times in the book of Philippians. I heard he was talking about rejoice. Just variations of that. Always enjoy, always thanksgiving. Why? It's because he had perspective. His focus was intact. He always saw the bigger picture. He knew that he was always indebted. Praise the Lord. Remember Paul, you know, before he became Paul, he was Saul. Remember in his former life, remember how he was. 
he had made a career of persecuting and ransacking the church. He did great evil to the body of Christ. I'm sure Jesus in heaven would be like, ah, this man. You know, like this this guy, he was he was a he was just terrible. But one day on the road to Damascus, a bright light shone from heaven, knocking him literally and figuratively off his high horse. You know, he became blind, blind temporarily. And God revealed himself to Paul. You know, God washed him clean, gave him a second chance. You know, so Paul must have been thinking, you know, Paul must have seen the extent of his sin, the extent of the damage he had done. And then he saw grace. He saw a grace that forgave and accepted him. You know, you see, until we see the extent of what God has done for us, we will never really abound in thanksgiving. You know, like the nine lepers, we will forget. Praise the Lord. But Paul did not praise the Lord. You know, that's why even though he was suffering a lot, that's why even when he was going through all of these things, you know, 39 stripes, shipwrecked. He, he did not complain. He, at one point, he says, unto me, who oh, I'm the um, least of all, chief of all sinners. Because he was the chief of all sinners. You know, called himself the least of all saints. He was always humble, always grateful. Because he saw where God brought him from. Where has God brought you from? What has God done for you? If he has really done something, you will be thankful. You will need to be charged. You will need to be, you know, like someone to, you know, wind you like all those uh, generators. You know, you will do it naturally. You do it automatically. Praise the Lord. You know, so when his suffering started, he didn't mind. He says, indeed, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, indeed, I count everything as loss, but the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered, suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Praise the Lord. So as we begin to conclude very soon, you know, I'd, I'd, um, I'd like to us to renew our focus in the place of prayer. You know, like David said, you know, in Psalm 103 from verse 1, we can remind ourselves of, God, what, of God's faithfulness. What has God done? Has he saved you from eternal destruction? Has he given you hope? Has he given you a focus? Has he given you an anchor so that you don't have to run around like the world? Has he given you a perspective? That's something to be grateful for. You know, has he given you, you know, has he given you a job? Has he given you a roof over your head? Are you able to eat? You know, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This who forgave. Now he's, he's listing them. You can list your own, you know, as it comes heavy on your heart. It says, who forgives all my iniquities? Who heals all thy diseases? Who redeems thy life from destruction? Who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies thy mouth with good things? So that thy youth is re renewed like the eagles. So as we begin to pray, just thank him. You can thank him for the gifts of salvation. Thank him for his eternal love. Thank him for your marriage, if you're married. Or your future one, if you're going to be married soon or you want to. Thank him for your children, for your grandchildren. Both now and the ones you have in future. Thank him for them. Thank him as though you had no challenges. Thank him as though today was the first day, you know, of the rest of your life. And nothing else mattered. Just renew your focus. Praise the Lord. Release your faith and practice. You know, the Bible says, even if you don't want to do all of that, you can speak in tongues. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 17, it says, if you speak in tongues, you, you give thanks well. So even if you don't have any specific things and you, and you speak in tongues, just speak in tongues. Worship him. Give him praise and adoration. Go ahead and bless. So um, we were reading about the 10 lepers earlier. Um, and 
I want to point out one reason why I believe they were thankless, which is a dangerous thing, you know, especially for us as children of God. The reason is because at its core, lack of gratitude stems from pride. And the devil is the author of pride and uh, thanklessness. You know, you know, the more I thought about these guys and studied the scriptures, the more I realized how that that disposition of thanklessness is not is not ordinary. It's actually a condition. It's born of the sin nature. You know, it's a spiritual condition. It's a condition that thrives in the man who, especially in the man who is not born again. You know, there's something in him that makes it hard for him to be thankful. Something that originates from the devil himself. You know, don't forget that people who are not born again are children of the devil. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, For you are your children, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. So the children recreate uh, the things that the devil does. So the devil was actually the, one of the first authors of thank, thanklessness. You know, if you read from some of the few verses where we find the devil um, exposed, like in Ezekiel 30, 28, you know, the Bible says of the devil, say, son of man, take up a lament concerning this king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the model of perfection. So God made the devil initially before he fell, the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He says, you are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, oinx, jasper, and all of that. He says, your settings and mountains were made of gold. And on the day that you were created, you were prepared. He says, you are an, an, you are an anointed cherub. You are an, anointed as a guardian cherub. For so I anointed, ordained you. You are on the holy mount of God, and you walked amongst the fiery stones. You are blameless in all your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Now, what was this wickedness? Praise the Lord. You know, if you read earlier, everything God did for Lucifer, he did almost, he just made Lucifer almost the highest possible thing you can make an angel without making that angel God. Amen. He made him beautiful. He, he elevated him. He made all these things. But the devil was not satisfied. He was not thankful for it. He was not grateful. He wanted more. Because if you read, for example, um, the other popular verse that talks about the devil in um, Isaiah, I think verse 11, I'm not sure. When he was thinking, he started dreaming in his heart. He says, I will be as the most high. I will go over the mountain. But he was, I, 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 many eyes. You know, he was, he wanted to be God. Praise the Lord. He was not thankful. And that is one of the number one things that thanklessness does. You don't see what has been done for you by God. You want more. In fact, you want to be the main person. Whatever is happening, you want to run your own show. Praise the Lord. So that's why it's easy for people who are not saved to function in thanklessness. And that's why we, as the children of God, must watch out. Because it's a spirit that originates from the devil. The devil was given all of these things. It was the model of perfection. Beautiful and wise beyond comparison. He was graciously favored of God. But he was not contented. He was not thankful. He wanted more. He became proud in his own conceit. He wanted to be God. So we must be careful. Thankfulness makes us humble. It makes us light. Praise the Lord. It makes us humble. Praise the Lord. If you look at something in Romans chapter 1, that further buttresses what I was saying. 
It speaks of a kind of man, the unsaved. You know, Bible says in Romans chapter 1, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, this is talking about those people, he says they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But instead, they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So he's saying of these people, he says, they, although they knew God, the word for know there is a word that means to perceive God. You know, they know that God exists. Why? Because anyone who has a brain knows that God exists. He knows that this whole world did not come from nothing. But he says, they could not, um, they could not honor God. A version has that although they knew God, they could not honor him or give thanks. Why? It can be traced to the devil. The reason is that though they know God, if the moment they acknowledge that God is the one who controls everything, who gives them the breath of their lungs, who causes their hearts to pump, they now know that they must serve him and be subject to such a God. They have to be thankful to such a God. But that man does not want to serve God. Those people, they didn't want to serve God. They wanted to do their own thing, just like Lucifer. They wanted to live by their own rules. So they made their own version of God. That's why it says, it says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. No, were thankful, but became futile in their, in, in their thoughts. You know, these other versions says, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed beasts. So he doesn't want to serve God. He wants to do his own thing. He wants to live by his own rules. You know, so instead he creates a different version of God in his mind. A God, a type of God he can handle. He, he creates a version of God that he doesn't have to be subject to or give thanks to. So that is the origin of thanklessness. Just to have us be careful. You know, he says, even though they knew, they did not honor him as God. They all give thanks. That's why the unsaved cannot really be thankful. All right? They need to be able to feel, they, they want to be able to feel that all their accomplishments are from them. Oh, I became this because I studied for this, because I hustled hard, because I, I played, you know, my cards the right way. You know, they don't want to, they, they, they totally deny the God factor. They want to live whichever way they want. They, want, they don't want to be subject to God because once they're subject to God, they don't have to obey him. They have to do what, they, what he says. And they don't want to do that. They want to live their own life. They want to run their own show. So rather than admit that it's God who did it, they find a natural explanation. And you find that everywhere in the world today thanklessness you know if you can't find if they cannot find a natural explanation they say it's luck oh it's serendipity the lines just the thing just falls the stars just aligned they forget all god's benefits forgetting that god can snap the air out of the lungs at any moment so we must be careful not to imbibe the spirit of the world we must be vocal about how god is our source oh you did some planning but who gave you the wherewithal who gave you the peace of mind who gave you the brains to do it Praise the Lord. Paul warned his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of the same thing. He says, But this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Praise the Lord. He says, In the last days, men will be full of themselves. They want to run their own show. They don't want to give recourse to God. They are unthankful. They forget all his benefits. They are full of themselves. Amen. They are unthankful. 
But I thank God that we have not so learned Christ, just as Apostle Paul said. And through the word, you know, as we trust God, you know, through this month, we trust God that every spirit of thanklessness will be destroyed, you know, as we continue to focus. And the church says, Amen. You know, so we are very uh, mindful of this. We are, we are thankful. We are, we are, we don't give recourse to the devil's tools. We know the origin of thanklessness. We are light on our feet. We are humble. We see God as a source of everything. You know, for the next couple of minutes, I just want us to, you know, bless God. You know, thank him in the spirit. Thank him. Just express yourself to him. Think back on his benefits. Think back on the things he has done. Think back on, you know, those things that you've, you've not, those things that you prayed for at some point that you got and you, you just shelved them. You know, um, remember his benefits. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and pray. Marcos, o que é que ela vai dizer? Marcos, o que é que ela vai dizer? Marcos, o que é que ela vai dizer?